Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa MacDonald. Welcome. Welcome to Finance Malta and another in our series of podcasts. We're super happy to have with us today, talking to us from London, Nandini Sukumar, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the World Federation of Exchanges. So this federation was actually set up in 1961, and it represents more than 250 exchanges. We're talking about something like 60,000 listed companies. And the capitalization, the market capitalization, is an indication of just the impact of all of these stock exchanges. We're talking about something like $123 trillion. So that is the market capitalization, and we're talking about trading of $162 trillion every year. Nandini, that's quite something to cope with. I thought what we'd do is structure the interview um, around three main pillars, the companies that list, the investors in those companies and the issues that they're tackling now, and obviously stock exchanges and their growth. So first of all, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. Uh, We're delighted to be here at the WAFE, um, not only on behalf of the industry globally, but because the Malta Stock Exchange, your very own market um, and the the market at the centre of your your own capital market uh, is a long and valued member of the WFE. Nandini, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is this whole issue of why companies would want to list in the first place. The situation has changed tremendously in terms of access to finance. So why would a company go for listing as opposed to the other options, especially now with fintech and so on, that are available to it? You're asking, you're asking a very profound question and one that, continue, that you know, preoccupies us as exchanges you know, and our members as exchanges every day, really. Listing is the single best act of governance, transparency, um, in terms of driving uh, capital to your markets, etc., that anyone, anything, any organization can do. So why should companies list? Companies should list in the first instance um, because that is the most, uh, that is the best, most efficient, most effective way to attract intelligent, um, thought-through investors to uh, your shareholder base. So once you list on an exchange, you can raise capital easily, much more easily, effectively, and you know, at a lower cost than doing it in private markets. You also make a statement when you list on your on your mark on a exchange. You make a statement that you uphold um, the absolute uh, best practices in terms of corporate governance, in terms of transparency, um, in terms of um, integrity, and all else. So there you have it. Two fundamental reasons why companies list. They want to prove that they're best in class and two, this is the cheapest, most effective, optimal way to raise capital. If you look at what happened during the pandemic, before we go back before we go back to this, Vanessa, it, it's a great question because you always have as a company many different forms um, and many different avenues uh, to go and 
uh, find the find capital and bring investors to your shareholder base, right? But during the pandemic, you know, while other parts of the industry perhaps were more cautious, capital markets, exchange markets um, stayed open for business, and as a consequence. Um, there were multiple com- companies came in record numbers uh, to the stock market and raised capital. And that capital was the difference between life and death for many companies. So it gives you access to capital um, at fantastic rates and you are upholding best standards in corporate governance. I think that's one of the things that uh, is really the, the crux of the matter, really, is the fact that you're talking about a lot of governance and so on, but that actually comes at a cost for companies nowadays, uh, especially when you're talking about all the, the financial reporting, non-financial reporting, and ESG factors that they now have to combine. So is this going to become a deterrent going forward? There's so much you know, talk about why companies shouldn't list in markets, and it's, a, it's an issue because there are lots of, you know, as private markets have grown and that's other forces of, you know, other frictions, if you like, you know, the cost of reporting has grown, etc. It is true that incentives can often, you know, be in favor of not listing. But the reality is ESG, you know, the call for good governance, all those things uh, are here to stay. We believe that they are a fundamental part of the next generation of investors' tenant, right? So, Right now, if you look at YIVR in Europe, they've taken, regulators have taken a very uh, progressive, intelligent, nuanced perspective of this, which is that, you know, governance should apply, you know, some, some ESG reporting should be sized as opposed to a function of listing. So by that, they mean that if you're above a certain threshold, regardless of whether you're a private company or a public company, you do have to report you know, on some of the same things. Um, and I think that's really important and, and, and really progressive thinking. And there will be other jurisdictions, more and more jurisdictions that go that way. Because if you look at, if you look at the way, you know, the theme, themes that are playing out, it's all about, you know, ESG. It's about being able to show as a company um, that you do deserve the trust of your investors, that you do conduct yourself um, in, a, in a way that is, you know, sustainable and inclusive, etc., and one that contributes um, to better outcomes for the future. After the pandemic or during the pandemic, we had this phrase, you know, building back better. And I think that, you know, if you look at ESG reporting, this is what... Um, the next generation wants, our generation wants it, and the next generation of investors wants it as well. You know, they want to know the impact um, that companies and investors and individuals are having on the world around us. Uh, And that is part of it. I mean, and I think that we need, wherever possible, to encourage policymakers uh, to understand that the incentives, therefore, need to be weighted towards, you know, um, encouraging companies to report uh, and it is through reporting as we call it uh, that you do come to understand a company better so you and I as individual investors the companies that are listed on the stock market they will be, they will give us more information um, so that we can make more informed decisions 
than any other kind of company. So listing is, as I, I always say that, you know, if every company that we knew listed right away, you know, corporate governance, market integrity across the world would improve. It's quite a force for change. I mean, when you think about the, uh, the impact that private or institutional investors can have on, on forcing companies to, to really evaluate their business models in terms of ESG and sustainable finance, it's really actually quite a force for good, isn't it? Yes, it is a force for good, and exchanges are a force for good. We always think of ourselves as an industry as created to solve problems. You know, and we look. So we are really, in essence, you come to the you come to the exchange or you come to, you know, public markets seeking um, an answer or a solution to a particular problem, uh, and that I think has always been the mandate of the exchange. It's the ethos of the exchange as well. I mean, we are fun, at a, at a fundamental level, you know, a place where we bring together those who need capital with those who are seeking to raise it. I mean, if you're if you're in the listings business, um, and then. The other part of it is really, you know, in terms of being a force for good, exchanges in their DNA believe in investor protection. So unlike other parts of the market, we believe fundamentally that anyone who trades on an exchange, you know, should be protected and safeguarded. And that really is a distinguishing factor that I feel sometimes gets lost in the hype around innovation. So if you come to an exchange, an exchange traded market, Investor protection, investor inclusion is is in the heart of the market. You know, um, nothing is nothing is you know no full safe, but you're starting from a place where the mission is about protecting the investor in addition to creating optimal outcomes for investors. Well, we've looked at. Uh banking sector many times over the the series of podcasts etc and obviously they've had to face disruption from fintech and as you mentioned yourself innovation i would imagine that it's the same for stock exchanges that there are all sorts of rivals there to your models and so on with with banks the solution to all of this regulation and costs and so on has been sort of for for there to be a lot of mergers and so on What's the situation with, with stock exchanges? What is their, their formula for survival? Is it privatization, internationalization, stay small, get bigger? Well, well, you have every kind of, you really have every kind of model. And that's the wonderful thing about, you know, the exchange model. When I look across our members, and we have more than 100, you know, uh, 272 uh, full mem- members, you really do see every, every kind of structure you know, um, some exchanges indeed uh, are privatized, some are listed, you know, uh, but really it's, while it's a good strategic move for the exchange, it's really up to the shareholder uh, to kind of make a decision, for the share, for their shareholders to make a decision as to what um, is best for them. But one of the distinguish- distinguishing factors, if you look at exchanges, um, or or stock exchanges you you reference specifically because that's where they are listing venues. You have derivatives exchanges, of course, that exist, you know, to mitigate risk, and that's a huge market marketplace in and of itself. But if you look at some of the things that have happened in the last year that have damaged confidence in markets, uh, for example, like FTX and the implosion of FTX, um, that can be all of that can be you know, boiled down, and I, I don't know more than it's written about in, in the press, but simple 
simple, effective measures that en enable a company to conduct itself, you know, in the best standard, uh, are important. And I feel sometimes over the last three years we've seen such a hype and such a rush towards the so you know digital market marketplaces. Um, digital securities, digital assets, uh, that people have forgotten sight of the fact that you have to balance uh, good practice and market integrity with innovation. And I hope maybe now that people will think a little bit anew, fresh about you know the value of the exchange model. Uh, the reason that exchanges uh, um, conduct themselves in a more measured way is because they are highly regulated, they are accountable. You know, they're accountable not only to the regulator and to the finance ministry, but they feel accountable to investors like you and me who put, you know, savings into the market, who's, you know, think of who, who invest for the long term so that their children can go to university, etc. So I hope that in this current climate, people will think afresh uh, and appreciate a little more the exchange model. And with regards to fintech, do you see any major changes for stock exchanges, etc.? Um, in the next 10 years? I think fintech is uh, one, I, I mean, I think the whole renaissance of fintech, if you like, uh, is very welcome. And I say renaissance because when, you know, the whole buzz about fintech started, one of the questions we asked ourselves is, if technology is the lifeblood of the industry, and it is, it has been for the last 10 years or 15 years, what's new now? And what's new now is this exciting feeling of pioneering technology, innovation, new products, you know, all these um, bright minds seeking to solve, you know, uh, structural problems. So I think it's, an, it's a great opportunity for exchanges and for wider financial markets. Exchanges themselves are looking at how they can use new technology uh, and think creatively uh, to solve certain structural problems. Uh, they are looking at fintech to take inspiration. I think for many fintech, for a successful fintech firm, you know, which solves a problem, um, may well have a great future within an exchange group. Um, and on a more fundamental note, people are thinking, you know, um, with, I think creative minds in the industry are thinking about how you can harness technology to be a force for good. We, we always say um, informally that exchanges were perhaps the first fintechs, if you think about it, as they migrated from one model, the floor model. Uh, we're a very old industry, as you know, and we're still around today because we have adapted and you know, thought about the future. I believe that we have a bright future. And I believe that the reason we have future is because we think about things. So when you see something that might be disruptive, exchanges think about them and they act on them and they think, they, they try to bring what is best in that disruption into the exchange market so that they themselves can reinvent themselves for the next generation. Oh, very interesting. Nandini, thank you so, so much for sharing this time with us. And we hope that we'll be able to do this in person the next time. Thank you very much to all our listeners. Thank you, Vanessa. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.